Welcome to the Vision Sermon Podcast. Our goal is to teach every verse and reach every nation. For more information, visit visionbaptistcobb.com. In Galatians chapter number 4, we're looking at how Paul, uh, this man, the man who's writing this, was the guy who started the church in this place called Galatia. Uh, Galatians was the name of the people. They were, it's kind of like America and Americans. He said, hey, I'm writing to you church in Galatia. I'm writing to you Galatians, and I want you to know something. And his whole point is, hey, we don't go back to trying, our own, to, trying to earn our own righteousness. We're trying to be good apart from Christ because apart from Jesus, we don't have any goodness. We're not good people, and that's what he's doing because the problem was people were coming into the church and they weren't uh, necessarily fighting against Paul like outwardly, but they're kind of come in and you know sneakily coming around and, and teaching something that was completely opposite of what Jesus said, and that's what he's what's going on here. And so, look, look, and I'm going to backtrack for a second. You know, for years now, one of the things that I'm most looking forward to, and you know, even before Laura and I got married, is to being a dad. Um, because I think it's just awesome to, you know, have the opportunity to, you know, love, have, you know, have a child, someone that you can love and bring up and care for. And I admire you men that teach and lead your homes. I think that is one of the most incredible things in the world. Uh, you know, sadly, uh, there's, there's not a lot of men that are trying to lead their children and their families to love Jesus. And for you guys to do that is just incredible. And I, I, I admire that. I look up to that. Uh, I can only imagine what it's like as far as the, you know, the responsibility, but also the privilege. Uh, I don't know what that's like yet. You know, you love, teach, try to train and raise, protect, provide for your family and love them some more. I mean, it's a big job. And that's kind of the feeling of what was going on here for Paul, because he's going to call them in this passage and say, my little children. And he had this relationship with them that he loved them. and He was trying to provide for them and protect them. And let me ask you what you would do. Okay, so just imagine, uh, just imagine you have someone that you're trying to raise up. Some of you do, some of us don't. But imagine, what are you going to do if someone comes into your family, comes into your world, and tries to steal your child's heart away from you? And not like, not like the fact like they're getting married or something like that. I know uh, my father-in-law, uh, Brother Tony, I talk about him once in a while. Uh, he, was, uh, he was a little nervous when I came into their world, and I, I ended up stolen, stealing Lauren's heart. I won that one, so I was happy about that. But it was hard for him because he's saying, man, now, now I, my daughter, she's leaving me. But that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about somebody who comes, somebody who comes in and just starts, you know, showing love for your child. Love, I'm going to put in quotation marks because it's not genuine Bible love. But they come into your world and then they're like, you know, just, uh, just giving your kid everything they want. You know, and pretty soon your, your, your kid starts saying, man, I, you know, I just love whoever. We'll say Joe or whatever. I just love Joe because, you know, he's doing this and all these things. And, you know, and they start saying, man, I like this person more than I like you. And this person starts saying, you know, they, they tell your kid, you know, your dad, you know, your parents, they're kind of harsh, you know, because they discipline you. They don't give you anything you want. You know, it's a lot better with me. I'll give you whatever you want. How would you feel if that happened? You'd start getting pretty mad. I mean, irate, protective, because you're thinking, man, this person, they don't really have my child's best interests at heart. They're just coming in trying to steal them away just so they can have them for themselves. They're not really doing what's best for my son, for my daughter. I mean, is that not how you would feel? I can imagine that's, I would be getting, I'd be getting mad. I'd be getting, you know, ticked off at them. I'd say, I'm going to put a stop to this because they really don't love them. They're just trying to get, win them over to their, to their side 
so that they can have them for, their, for themselves. Does that make sense? Do you feel what's going on here? And you may think, well, yeah, that's, that's, a, pretty, that's a pretty rough situation. Uh, you would be upset about that, but that is exactly what was happening with, in this situation where Paul, he had loved these people. And even though he wasn't their parents, he had told them about Jesus and he had loved on them and he invested time in them and he invested in energy in them and he prayed for them and he loved them some more. And then all of a sudden, somebody comes in and says, you know, that Paul guy, he was crazy. I mean, he's teaching you all this stuff about loving Jesus, but that's really not what's going to get you any favor with God. You've got to keep the law. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. And, and these people came in and said, you know, we, we love you. We care about you. They were actually jealous over them, is what the Bible says here. They were jealous over them saying, hey, we are going to come in. We're going to spend so much time with you. And the whole purpose of it was not to do good for these people, but is to win them over to their side. Does that make sense? So Paul's writing and he's saying, hey, these people, they're trying to come and steal you away. And he says, I don't even care about you loving me or not. He says, I care about you loving Jesus. Paul says, I love you guys and I'm afraid for you because these people are coming and teaching you stuff that's going to get you really messed up. Does that make sense? That's the idea of what's going on here. And it was, So the question was for Paul, he was saying to these people, who are you going to follow? Are you going to follow these people who are pushing you back to the law and trying to turn you away from Jesus? Or are you going to follow Jesus? Because these people are coming in. I mean, he was trying to put a stop to them. Because they were, I mean, they were coming in there like, I don't even know how to describe them. I mean, they were coming in sub- subversive and they were just trying to win these people over just for themselves, not for Jesus. And today, you know, you might think, well, that's kind of a weird situation. That doesn't ever happen today. But sadly, it does. And it may not happen just like this happens, where people are literally coming into the church teaching these other things. But you know, there's all kinds of people out there who will teach spiritual things and who will act like they're for you and they're in your favor and you know, they're on your side, but all they want is you to love them. And all they want is to you to give to them. And all they want is, is you to come after them and follow them. They're not really that concerned with, with you loving Jesus. Or actually knowing what the Bible says. And that's what Paul is doing. And honestly, I can say, I mean, God is my witness. That is my heart. You know, at our church, I love y'all. And I am so thankful that, you know, I have the opportunity to share God's word. And that's a huge privilege. And honestly, I don't care if you love me back. I really don't. It would be nice, you know. It would be nice. We all like to receive love. But I'm not worried about that. My main concern is that you follow Jesus. And because there are people who are going to try to turn you away from Christ. And so here's the whole, the whole idea. If you want to write this down, this is what Paul is saying. He's saying, I love you and I want you to follow Jesus. I love you and I want you to follow Jesus. That's just what he says time and time and time again here in this passage. So let's look at Galatians chapter 4 and verse 12. Look at what it says here. It says, brethren, I beseech you. This is like I urge you. Be as I am, for I am as ye are. Ye have not injured me at all. Look at verse 13. You know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first. And my temptation, which was in my flesh, ye despised not, nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. He's writing to him. He says, you guys know how at the very beginning when I came and preached to you, I had some major problems, uh, some, some major health problems. He says, you guys didn't reject me, but you listened to me and you listened to the message that I was bringing to you. And look what he says in verse 15. Where is then the blessedness you spake of? For I bear you record that if it had been possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and have given them to me. 
He says, hey, you guys, when you heard the gospel, when you heard that you could be saved, not by you know, paying a certain amount of money or getting baptized or about all these things, he says, it's just when you heard that salvation was free and it was through Christ, you know what you thought? It was blessedness. They were happy. They were excited. And they said, hey, this is a great thing. We heard this. And they said, you know, Paul, we love you. Thank you for bringing this message to us. And, you know, they said, hey, we would, even, we would do anything. If it was possible, we'd pop out our eyes and give them to you so you wouldn't have this infirmity. You see, is that not what it says there? Let's keep reading. Look what it says in the next verse. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? And I, I want you to feel the tone that Paul has here. It's really kind of a begging, urging tone. He's sad and he's, 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 up, he's upset. He's scared for these people. He says, am I now your enemy because I'm telling you what is true? You ever felt like that? My parents called that tough love. <laughs> when, when, you needed, when I was young and I needed to hear something, but I didn't want to hear it, they told me these things and it was true. You know, they said, hey, you need to learn to take initiative. Why? Because that's going to help you. At the time, I was like, I don't want to hear this. Think about that. If you're a parent, you know what, you know what I'm talking about there. It's the, and so what he's saying is, I'm telling you the truth. But now, am I your enemy? I'm telling you what's true. I'm telling you what's good for you. Are, do, are you looking at me like your enemy? Look what he says in the next verse. Verse 17. They, talking about those people who are teaching them to go back and keep the law, says they, they zealously affect you. That means they were jealous over them. They showed love to them. They were trying to win them over to their side. They zealously affect you, but not well. Yea, they would exclude you that ye might affect them. The idea was, it says, these people were trying to win them over to their side so that they could have some fame, so that they could have some followers, so they could basically brag and say, hey, hey, we got a bunch of people following us. Look what it says in the next verse. He says, but it is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing, and not only when I'm present with you. Notice what he says here, just a kind of little idea to get in our, in our minds. He says, yeah, it's, good th- it's a good thing when somebody's loving you and when somebody's investing in you for a good reason. Okay, but these other people, they were investing for a bad reason, for a selfish reason. And notice what he says, even when I'm not with you. And see, the whole idea is Paul, he wasn't saying, hey, I want you to follow me, not them. He said, no, I don't care if somebody loves you and invests you and teaches you more about Jesus. That's great. I don't care if I'm there or not. I don't, he wasn't interested in the credit. He says, I want you to follow Jesus. Look what it says in verse 19. My little children, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you, I desire to be present with you. Now, and to change my voice, for I stand in doubt of you. He gets down, he's, he's called them his brethren, his brothers, his family. But now he gets down, he says, my children, listen, I want you to know Jesus. I want Christ to be formed in you. And the idea of that is that you'd grow up and you'd mature and you'd become Christ-like. He says, I want that to happen. And he says, I stand in doubt of you. He says, I'm not sure what to do. I'm not sure which way to go. I'm not sure what to say. I, I'm, I'm worried about you guys. And that's where that paragraph ends. He ends in doubt of them. And he basically says, I don't know where you're going to stand. Are you going to follow Jesus? Or are you going to follow these other people? Let's have a word of prayer and, and we'll, we'll get into this a little bit more and, and dig into it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this passage that's just so uh, heartfelt and passionate that you've given us to study and to learn from. God, I pray if there's somebody here who's not truly a Christian, who's not ever been born again, Lord, this morning that they would understand that they can, the only ways we can get saved is by believing in Jesus. And it doesn't come through anything we do. God, I pray for those who are our Christians and who are following you, that they would uh, firm make, make their commitment uh, firm, make it sure that they're going to follow you no matter what. 
And God, I pray that you'd help those who are trying to help other people and love other people, that we could see some principles here to use to help others love you and walk with you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, first thing I want you to see is what Paul's saying here. Remember our, our main heading, our title, he says, I love you guys, and I want you to follow Jesus. I love you, I want you to follow Jesus. And the first thing he asks to them, and he says them, he urges them to do, he says, be free from the law through Jesus. Be free from the law through Jesus. That's the first thing he says to them. Look what it says in verse number 12. He says, brethren, I beseech you, I urge you, be as I am. Okay? Now, Paul, he was formerly a Jewish man. Okay, he was one of the most passionate, zealous Jews. He kept all the rules. He was basically perfect, okay? But he had realized that he, was, he could never be perfect on his own. And he had turned to Jesus and believed in Jesus. And now he was living in a way that wasn't Jewish. He was living like a Gentile. Okay, because in the Old Testament, you guys know the Jews had dietary laws and there's things that were kosher and there's things that are not kosher, things you can't eat and things you can't eat. He says, hey, all that stuff, that stuff's passed away. That was bondage. Now I'm free through Christ. And so he says to them, hey, guys, why don't you be like me? I'm free through Christ. I'm enjoying this freedom. I'm not under these rules anymore because we've seen time and time and time again, he called it bondage. He said it, it, they kept you under basically like you were locked up under the laws. It, it regulated every aspect of your life. He says, now I'm free through, through, through Christ. Why don't you be like me? Look what he says in the next part of that verse. Be as I am, for I am as ye are. These people were Gentiles. They, they were never under the law. And he says, ye have not injured me as law, at all. He says, be like me. Be free from the law. I'm just like you guys are. He says, you haven't injured me at all. Kind of the idea there is he's saying, hey, you haven't hurt me. You know, I still love you. And they might think, you know, we've really made Paul Rambi now, and now, he's, now he hates us. Now he's mad at us. Uh, but he says, no, 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 you haven't injured me. I just want you to love Jesus, and I just want you to follow Jesus. Look at with me in Romans chapter 8. You can either uh, follow along on the screen or turn your Bible. If you're turning your Bible, just turn back towards the front of your Bible, a few books. And in Romans chapter 8, the Bible talks about being free from the law. And it's going to use some of these words here. Look at what it says. Romans 8, 2. It says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. And basically compares two laws. In the first one, do you see what the, the law is? It's the law of, spirit, of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And what has that done? And basically the idea of that is the fact that I've believed in Christ, now I'm under the rule of Christ. And that rule, you know what it's done? It's freed me from this other rule. And what's that other one? See what it says? From the law of sin and death. And that was the Old Testament law. Because you know what happens in the Old Testament? If you lied, you got stoned to death. If you cheated on your spouse, you got stoned to death. If you murdered, you got killed. So all, it, all the law in the Old Testament did say, says, hey, you're wrong and you deserve to die. You know, one of the things that was really bad too, uh, even if there was a son, if, someone, if their, their parents had a son that was rebellious, you know what they'd do to that rebellious son? They'd take him out and they'd stone him. That's pretty harsh, isn't it? But the point of it was saying, hey, this guy, he, he sinned, he's, he did not honor his parents, he dies. So the law in the Old Testament is the law of sin and death. It showed you were a sinner and it killed you. And so he says, hey, you were under this. Now you're free from it through Jesus. Why are you going back to it? Why do you want to go back to that? You don't want to go back to that. Look what it says in verse 13. He says, you know, uh, back in Galatians 4, verse 13, you know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first. 
And my temptation, which was in my flesh, ye despised not, nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. Where is then the blessedness ye spake of? For I bear you record, if it had been possible, ye would have plucked out your own eyes and have given them to me. He says to them, listen, you've already received God's word. You already know this. You're free from it. Why are you wanting to go back into bondage? You don't want to do that. He says, you're free from it. Stay free from it. Because when, when he came, he had a problem. He had infirmity. That just means he was sick. And he it was probably eye problems. Because you saw how they said, hey, you guys would have plucked out your eyes. And uh, according to some things I've read uh, about this, it's not real clear in the Bible, but it, it might have been something that was just really nasty looking. Where his eyes, they, they, were, they were leaking and there's just all kinds. He had a very bad eye disease. And so what he's saying is, man, I was, in, I was sick. But you guys even listened to me then. Because see what it says there in verse number 14? My temptation, you dis- didn't despise it or reject it. That'd be like someone comes in here and we look and say, whoa, there's something messed up with them. I ain't listen to them. I ain't going to be close to them. But he says, I was sick. I had this infirmity, but you still listened to me. And you listened and you received me. And look, it says how they received him. But received me as an angel of God, just like a messenger of God. He says, even as Christ Jesus. Because you know, we do know in the Bible that when we go and share the gospel with somebody, we, are, we have the position of being an ambassador for Christ. And it says in the passage, it's over in uh, 2 Corinthians, if I'm not mistaken. In 2 Corinthians it says, We beseech you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. So Paul had come into town. It was basically like Jesus was coming into town and saying, Hey, He died on the cross. He paid for your sins. Why don't you get, excuse me, why don't you get saved? That's the whole idea of what's going on here. Turn over to 1 Thessalonians Chapter 2 and verse 13, if this sounds kind of weird that they had received him as a, as a messenger from God, this was what happened in many places. Look over at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, and this, for this one you're going to turn towards the back of your Bible. First book called Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. Look at what this verse says, and you can follow along with the screen, on the screen also. It says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you receive the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. The idea here was that Paul, he had come into town to this place, uh, Thessalonians, is again the kind of idea, America, America and Americans, the place was called Thessalonica. The people were called Thessalonians. He says he came into town and when, when you heard the word of God, you received it as the word of God. Just like it is. Not, not looking at Paul and saying, man, those, those guys, they're coming and tell us whatever they want to say. So he said, no, we're coming and telling you God's word. And they received it and he says, man, thank God that you guys listened and that it worked in your life. See this last part where it says, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. It means it effectively worked in their lives. He was thanking God for that. So this was something totally common that they would receive God's word. And he said, this was blessedness. Turn back over to Galatians 4. These people, when they heard God's word, it made them happy. It brought joy into their life. Because you know what happens? When we get into God's word, it works in our lives. You know that God's, this, this book is not just some book of old stories. The Bible says that it, it is alive, it's powerful, and it's, it's sharper than any sword. And you know what it does? Is it works in our lives. It divides soul and spirit, and it also discerns our thoughts. You know, the funny thing is, as you know, I've, I've read through the Bible time and time again, I, I, there will be days when I'm, I'm reading something and it's exactly what I need. And it's exactly what I'm thinking about. It's exa- it, it speaks exactly to where I'm at that day. This is a book like any other. And so what happened was, 
it had worked in their lives. And they said, man, that's blessedness. That's a good thing. It's a book unlike any other. It worked in their lives and they were happy about it. And he says, but now you guys are acting like I'm your enemy. Now you want to go back to the law. Now you're leaving the very things that you were so excited about. What happened? He says, not only were you happy about this, but you would have done anything for me. He had come into town and he was the guy who brought them this message. And they, he said, you would have plucked out your eyes and given them to me. What happened? What happened to them? Some lessons for us from this part. Please don't ever turn back to bondage. Don't ever turn back to the law because here's the thing. Through Christ, we're free. Now, when we add rules back in and we say, hey, if you don't keep this standard, you can't really be a Christian, then we've turned back to bondage. And sadly, many churches have done that. And here's the thing. Over, as time goes on, we're, we're more and more susceptible to do the same thing because we get off the very simple, basic principles of God's Word. And you know what happens? You know, the other way this happens is because people, we might hear someone teach and they, they have very good words and they speak and they're smart and we look and say, man, this person's successful. They have tons of people listening to them. Man, they, what they must be saying, it sounds about right from the Bible. But they're teaching something that's going to turn us away from God's Word. There's all kinds of different people that do that when they don't stick with just what the Bible says. Here's a good rule of thumb. If, if, you, if somebody's teaching the Bible and you can't see what they're saying right there in the Bible, it might not be right. It probably isn't right. Because the Bible, anyone can read it. You don't need a special code or anything to interpret the Bible. It's right there, okay? So you can read it for yourself and you can know it. So you always look and when you're listening to someone, you say, okay, I see what you're saying. All right. Yep, that says that. All right. I see what you're saying. I'm not sure if, that, if the Bible really says that. Okay, but what happens is we can easily be drawn away because we like to look to people who are successful and famous and intelligent. We look and say, man, they must have something that I don't have. But the truth is, we have it all right here. Okay, so don't turn away. Don't turn away from to, to something else. Who are you going to follow? Who are you going to follow, Jesus or someone else? That's really what it all boils down to. And Paul, when he's writing this, he had, he had a totally different relationship. We're going to see it in just a second. Between these people, Paul and these people, that had a totally different rela- relationship than Paul and the other people. Okay? Or than the, these Christians and the other people. Got to make sure I get my illustration right. Paul and the people he's writing to, they had a close relationship of love. Paul loved them and he had their best interests in heart. These other people in the Galatians, you know what they're all after? They're after fame. They're after prestige. They want to bring these people after them to get a following. And Paul says, who are you going to follow? Me, the one who loved you, who's trying to turn you to Jesus, or these people who just want a following? Let's turn over to another passage that speaks to something very similar to this. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 11. And this is a pretty strong passage of what we're going to see here in a second. Uh, you have Acts in your Bible, and then Romans, and then 1 Corinthians... And in chapter 11, look at what it says here. Oh, excuse me, not chapter 11, chapter 4. I'm getting myself all mixed up here. You probably got it before me. 1 Corinthians 4, 11 through 16. Look at what it says. Even unto this present hour, we both hunger and thirst and are naked and are buffeted and have no certain dwelling place. In labor, working with our own hands. Being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we suffer it. Being defamed, we entreat. We are made as the filth of the world and are the offscouring of all things unto this day. All right, you might say, what in the world is he talking about here? This is the same guy that's writing what we're reading in Galatians, okay? And he's writing and saying, listen, we're serving Jesus and we're facing a whole bunch of trouble. 
you see what's said in those verses? It says, we're, we are hungry, we're thirsty, we're naked, we don't have all of our needs met, we're buffeted, we're beat up. It says, we don't even have a place that we can call home. Look at what else he says in verse 13. We're defamed, meaning that people were speaking bad about them, trying to bring them down, pull them down. He says, but we're entreating, we're continuing to love people and talk with them. Not only that, we're made as the filth of the world and as the, as the and are the off-scouring of all things unto this day. You know what that is? You know what off-scouring is? You ever scoured a pan? Maybe you're cooking some and it has all kinds of junk left in there, and you're scouring out, and by the time you're done cleaning that pan, your sponge is black, and there's all kinds of junk in the drain. It says, that's what we are. That's what we're counting as. People don't like us. People say, man, these, these guys, they're, I mean, they're just, they're dirty. They're, they're nothing. They're filth. I mean, they're the off-scouring. They're nothing. And they don't have any respect Look away he says here in verse 14. He says, I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. See what he's saying? He says, we have all this bad stuff going on, but I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm trying to warn you. Look what it says in verse 15. For though ye have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet ye have ye not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you again unto, uh, through the gospel. You see what's going on here? He says, hey, you can have a whole bunch of people who are going to teach you about Jesus but you don't have a bunch of people who are really going to love you. You don't. You know, one of the things that I find so funny is, y'all ever, there's, a, there's like a whole movement nowadays where everyone's uh, putting together these online courses and things like that. You ever seen those? Like, hey, pay $10 a month and you get access to all these resources to teach you to do whatever. I mean, there's classes about anything out there. That's not a bad thing, but it's funny. Is that person, does, is that person really going to care about you? Do they even know who you are? No, they just want to pay, they want to get paid to give you that stuff, so they make money, everybody's happy. The difference here is, would be somebody who's actually invested in your life, like a teacher. You know, my mom was a teacher for a number of years, and uh, there were so many times where she was trying to help one of her students, and she was there, and, you know, talking with them, doing tutoring after class, and all these things, and she would tell us about them, and, like, she, she, was, she was a crazy person. Like, she loved teaching. That was her thing, and she taught and taught and taught, and she cared about these kids and said, I want them to understand. But a lot of times, she was, that, that wasn't very popular. I mean, we even know a lot of public school teachers, they don't get paid a lot. It wasn't very popular. That would be kind of be the idea. There are some people who are in it just for the money, just for the fame, just for the recognition, then there's some people who really care. And Paul's saying, listen, guys, you can have a whole bunch of people to teach you, but there's only a few who really care about you. And there's only a few who are going to know your name. There's only a few who are going to care about you. You know, a lot of one of the, the benefits, I think, of having a small church, we can look and say, oh, man, we're a little church, is we actually know each other. And you can talk to your Sunday school teacher, and you can talk to people around you. Because at, at a big church where there's thousands and thousands and thousands of people, you're never going to know that guy. You're never going to know most people. That's not a bad thing. It's just a different thing. And he says, listen, you have a whole bunch of people teaching you, but there's only a few who love you. And he says, I loved you. I was the one who came and shared the gospel with you. I was the one who came to you when you didn't have any idea about who Jesus was, when you didn't care about God, and when you were in sin, and when you were, and when you, when you were a slave to sin, I came to you, I loved you, and I shared the gospel with you. Now, why won't you listen to me? That's basically what he's saying. Look at what he says in the next verse. Wherefore, verse 16, I beseech you, be ye followers of me. Now, you obviously understand Paul's heart. Why is he saying for them to follow him? Not because he wants to be famous. Not because he wants to make money. But because he has their best interest. And he says, man, I'm following Jesus. You follow my example. I'm going to help you follow Jesus. 
And here's the thing. You may look at this and say, ah, I, don't, I think that's weird that he would say, be a follower of me. But if you've ever discipled somebody, and if you ever invest in someone's life, you understand this. Because what happens is, you know, people, uh, for a while, they need you, and they're like, man, you know, Brother John, I need you, and I'm going to talk with you, and I'm going to learn all these things from you. But after a while, they say, ah, uh, you're not that smart, John. I'm going to go listen to this guy. I'm going to go read this guy's book. I'm going to go, you know, I like this podcast, and I like this and all these things. And you see and look and say, yo, they're actually kind of going backwards spiritually instead of going forwards. And you talk to them and say, hey, listen, I want to help you follow Jesus. And they say, I don't need you. You're not that smart. When you're crying out and saying, listen, I can help you. If you'll just listen to me, I can help you. That's exactly what's going on with Paul here. He says, follow me because I'm going to lead you to follow Christ. So who are you going to follow? This is, this is a good lesson for us. Are you going to follow somebody who loves you or are you going to follow someone else? And I'm not even talking about me. Okay? I'm not talking about me. I'm not worried if you follow me or not. I'm only worried about you following Jesus. Be, be careful who you follow. Okay? So that's the first thing. The first thing, be free from the law through Jesus. Don't go after people who are just trying to get your money, just trying to get fame. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Second thing, be wary. Be wary of those who would pull you away from Jesus, which is all kind of overlaps because it's all this one story. Look at verses 16 through 18. Back there in Galatians 4, 16 through 18, look at what he says. And am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? They zealously affect you, but not well. Yea, they would exclude you that ye might affect them. It says, but it is, it is good to be zealously affected, always in a good thing, and not only when I am with you. Notice what he says. Am I now your enemy? He foresaw where they were heading, and he foresaw that they were wanting to go after these Judaizers, and he told them these things, and he says, hey, am I now your enemy because I'm telling you the truth? It's tough love. He says, listen, you might not like to hear this, but it's what's best for you. I love you. I want the best for you. I'm telling you the truth. These people are just trying to use you and manipulate you. He couldn't let this go. You know, one of the things that's so sad in our culture and so sad it comes into our thinking, we just kind of live, live and let live. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I don't care what you do. You can do whatever you want. You're free to do your own thing, which is true, okay? But we use that excuse not to care about people. We use that excuse to say, hey, everyone gets to, they, everyone's got to make their own decisions, so we don't even try to love them, and we don't even try to help them. We don't even try to invest in their lives. Think about it. That's kind of what happens. We say, oh, it's okay. But Paul, he didn't say, oh, yeah, you can just, just go do this. Go follow these people who are trying to pull you away from Jesus. Yeah, fine with me. He says, no, listen, I want you to know something. This is going to hurt you. This is going to bring you down spiritually. It's going to completely screw you up. I want you to know something. Don't follow them. He spoke the truth, but he became their enemy. In Proverbs chapter 9, in verse number 8, uh, it talks about the difference between a wise person and a foolish person. Uh, let's look at this verse here in a second. Proverbs chapter 9, in verse number 8, talks about how the wise person will listen. It says, Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. It says, Hey, you guys are basically acting foolish. I'm telling you the truth, and you're not... You're, you're, rebuke, you're leaving me. You're going away from me. It says, but if you were wise, if you were wise, you would love me because I'm telling you the truth. And there's a good lesson for us here. If, and see, here's the thing. All of us, we talk a lot about discipleship, which discipleship is the process of helping someone else become a follower of Jesus and grow as they follow Jesus, okay? Every single one of us ought to be discipled, meaning we ought to have somebody who's helping us follow with Jesus because I'm not perfect yet. 
And there's a number of men that I look up to and I talk to that invest in my life. And I'm a fool if I don't listen to them. Because they might say some things that I don't like or that are hard, but if you're wise, you'll take that rebuke and you'll grow from it and you'll love them even more. Okay? So if you are in discipleship where you have someone who's investing in your life, listen to them. They're probably not in it to try and, you know, make money or something like that. I mean, discipleship, it's all free here. We just help people love Jesus, okay? So listen, be someone who will learn. He was talking to them saying, listen, I'm trying to tell you the truth, but you don't get it. You won't listen to me. These people that were trying to pull them away from Jesus, they wanted followers for themselves, not for Jesus. Look at what he says here. We're going to delve into this just for a few minutes. Verse 17 says, They zealously affect you, but not well. They were jealous over these people. They were trying to f- basically flatter them. They were over them saying, you know, we care about you. We love you. you know, we want you to grow. and We want you to know God better. We want all these things for you. And they're flattering them. But he says, it's not well. It's not good. They would exclude you that you might affect them. The idea was that these people, they had been learning from Paul. And, they, and Paul had been teaching about Jesus. But now these others were coming and saying, Hey, you know, you know, we like you. And you're such great people. You know, we want to teach all these things. Why don't you come talk with us? They were trying to exclude them. You get what's going on here? They're trying to pull them away and, and pull up, put a wall between Paul and these people. Why? So that these people would love them. See what it says? It's the same wording that's used right before. It says they would exclude you that you might affect them. They were trying to love on them and affect them, change their hearts so that those people could come and love them. So they could be, have followers, so they could have some fame, so they could have some influence. And he says, you know what's going on there? Not a good thing. It's not well. They're doing this, but not well. Look what it says in the next verse. He says, but it is good to be zealously affected, always in a good thing. If somebody comes into your life and you know, they're loving you and they're, they're talk, taking, taking time for you and they're you know, caring about you and they're trying to point you to Jesus, that's great. That's awesome. And look at what Paul says. This proves that he wasn't, trying to, he wasn't egotistical. He says, and not only when I'm present with you. So if somebody comes in and tries to tell you about Jesus, great, praise God. But you've got to watch out what people are doing because some people just want fame. They just want people to follow them. He says, that's wrong. That is a problem. So some lessons from this part. Hey, be wise and listen to proof. If somebody's investing in your life and they're talking to you and they want, you to, they want to help you know Jesus, listen to them. Listen to the word. Don't be hard-hearted. Don't be hard-headed. We all struggle with that because we're all generally wanting to do what we want and we're all pretty hard-headed people. Let's just be honest, okay? But be careful who shows interest in you. Be careful because it may not be good. And here's the same thing, and I think this is a great lesson from Paul here. Notice how he says it's, it's not just good if somebody's talking to you and caring about you when I'm there. He says, I don't care if I'm there or not. You can't ever lord over your disciples, okay? I want you to understand this because, you know, we want to create a discipleship culture where there's people who are helping others grow up, and there's, you know, it's this whole system where people are growing and loving Jesus, and people are investing in others' lives to help them grow. But here's the thing. If you are discipling somebody, if you're trying to teach somebody, don't ever lord over them. Don't be like, oh, this person right here, you're my disciple. You have to listen to me all the time. You have to follow everything I say because that's not the truth. You know what Paul said? He said, hey, if somebody's investing in you and they're, they're helping you love Jesus, that's great. I don't even care if I'm there or not. You don't have a disciple. We make disciples of Jesus because the time when we look and say, hey, I want this person to follow me just for the sake of following me, then you're wrong then you're wrong because you aren't trying to help people follow Jesus, you're trying to help them follow you. And when someone follows you, that's going to cause major problems. There was a story 
a pastor from uh, uh, last century, or I believe it was 1800s, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he met a, a drunk man on the street. He was sitting on the street, and he was there all the time. He was a drunk man. And this man one day says to him, he says, Pastor, I- I'm one of your church people. I'm one of your church members. I'm one of your followers. And the pastor said, well, that must be true. You must be one of mine, because you surely aren't one of Jesus. You aren't one of the Lord's. Because if you were one of the Lord's, this, I mean, your life would be totally different. But maybe you were following me. Because when we make followers of ourselves... They're not going to follow Jesus. They're going to follow us. So we make followers of Jesus. We lose people to Jesus. That's one of the reasons I would encourage you, if you're trying to disciple somebody, don't call them your disciple. That's just kind of silly. Because they're not your disciple. They're Jesus' disciple. You're their friend. You're helping them. You might be their mentor, but you don't ever lord it over them. You don't say, hey, my disciple does this. My disciple this. Say, hey, this is my friend. We're talking together. We're growing in Jesus. We're having a great time following Him. That's what it is all about. So we... Love Jesus, we help other people follow Jesus. So that's what Paul's saying. He says, be wary, be cautious of people who are going to lead you away from Jesus. Somebody's leading you towards Jesus, great. Listen to him. If not, don't listen to him. Last thing he says, be followers of Jesus. He just gets down to the very end. He says, follow Jesus, follow Jesus, follow Jesus. Look what it says in verse number 19 and 20. My little children, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you, I desire to be present with you now and to change my voice, for I stand in doubt of you. Notice what he's saying. He says, I feel like I'm birthing you again. I don't know what that's like. Some of you do. And I, but I imagine there's a bit of pain in childbirth. Is there not? Yes? Okay, I got some nods, so we're on the right track. There is pain in bringing a child into the world. There's great joy, but there's also great pain. Okay? And he says, that's what it feels like right now. Because Paul had loved these people and he had talked to them, and he had seen them born again into the family of God. And now what has happened? They're kind of turning around and going back away from Jesus. And he says, man, I feel like I'm trying to birth you again. I'm, I'm, I'm travailing. It's painful because I love you. He had such great love that he felt such deep sorrow for them when they left Jesus. You know, one of the things I think is, is a shame on, on us as Christians, when somebody doesn't follow Jesus, it doesn't even hurt us. It doesn't even affect us. We're like, okay, they're not going to follow Jesus. No big deal. Because if we truly had deep love for people, we'd also have deep sorrow when they're not following Christ. And if, if you read this verse, and you're like, okay, I see what he's saying, but I don't really, I mean, I don't get it. I don't feel it. I don't feel that kind of pain. Then maybe you haven't really ever learned to love somebody. You've never really learned to love someone else and care about them and care about their best interests. Because to love someone else, as the Bible says, it's not an emotion, it's not a feeling, but it's a choice to put put them first, and to put their needs first, and to give of yourself for the good of the other person. That's a conscious choice, to where in your heart, in your mind, you're thinking about them, you're caring about them. It's not just when you see them on Sunday, but through the week, you think about that person. You think, man, I wonder what's going on then. Maybe you text them. Maybe you reach out to them first. You know, most of the time, we don't talk to others first. We let them come and talk to us. I'm guilty of that. We wait for people to talk to us. We don't reach out to people. We don't love first. But if we're going to learn godly love, we must love first. That's how God loved us. Because the Bible says that, that Jesus, He came to seek us when we were lost. And when we were rebels, when we had turned against God, we had basically said to God, Hey, I don't care what you say. I'm going to live my own life. But God sent His Son to come and die for you. He loved us first. And that's the way that we ought to love. And Paul asks him right here, he says, where are you going to stand? 
Are you going to follow Christ or are you not going to follow Christ? Look at what he says in verse number 20. He says, I desire to be present with you now and to change my voice for I stand in doubt of you. He says, you know, I've been writing kind of a harsh letter. Uh, and he really had because if you read back through, uh, let's, let's look at a couple of verses. Go back to Galatians 1 and verses 6 through 8. He writes some stuff that's pretty harsh, some pretty strong words. Look what, look what he says here, Galatians 1, 6 through 8. He says, I marveled that you're so soon removed from Him, that would be God, that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. He says, but though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. That's pretty strong wording. He says, this person, if, if somebody comes, if we come and preach another gospel to you, or an angel comes, or any other person comes and preaches another gospel to you, let him be accursed. Which basically meant, cursed of God to go to hell. He said, this is pretty strong words. If you turn over to chapter number 2, or excuse me, not chapter number 2, chapter number 3 and verse 1, look at, what, look at what he says here. He says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. He said some strong words. He says, guys, you're ignorant. You're being silly. You're being foolish. Jesus, you saw what he did for you. You heard the truth. And now you're going to turn away? Who tricked you? Who bewitched you? And so when he gets down here to chapter 4, he says, you know, I really wish I was there with you right now. I wish I could be present with you so I could change my voice. Because he'd been saying some pretty harsh stuff, but he loved them. And he cared about them. And he says, you guys are in great spiritual danger. And the, the sad thing is, most of the time we look at this kind of stuff and say, well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's not a big deal. It's just a theological difference. Just you believe this and I believe this. And Paul says, no, they're believing another gospel that is entirely and totally contrary to God. You're in trouble. And so he says, I wish I was there and I could show you, I could be with you, change my tone, tell you how much I love you and how much I want to follow you, or I want you to follow Jesus. He says, I'm at a loss. He says, I stand in doubt of you. Do you see that there? And in verse 20, he says, I, I stand in doubt of you. He says, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I'm not sure where you guys are. Are you going to follow Jesus or are you going to follow these other people who are going to turn you away from Jesus? And the whole emphasis of what he's been saying is follow Jesus. Are you going to follow him or are you going to follow someone else? He says, I'm, I'm loving you. I'm urging you. I'm pleading w- with you. I'm praying for you. I want you to follow Jesus. It's your decision. Follow Jesus, please, because it's going to hurt you if you don't. If you're a disciple maker, if you're somebody who says, you know, I want to help other people follow Jesus, you can learn what it's like to make disciples right here. It's not easy. And trying to help someone grow and mature in Christ It's not something for the faint-hearted. It's not something for someone who easily quits. Because it's hard. Because you're not going to always be sure where the person stands. You're going to love and you're going to invest and you're going to give your time and you're going to care about them. But sometimes, just be like, I don't know what to do right now. I don't know where they stand. Are they going to follow Jesus or not? I don't know. But we've got to do it anyway. We've got to love anyway. We've got to give anyway. Because that's how Christ loved us. It's because what we're commanded to do, we're going to talk about tonight, the, the commission or the job of a disciple. It is you, If you are a follower of Christ, it's your job to teach someone else. It's not just my job. It is my job, but it's not only my job. It's your job to teach someone else. And we are not good followers of Christ if we don't do that. That's just a simple fact of it because it's expected that we do that. 
We've got to learn to love. And for you, if, if you're, you're you know, being pulled, torn away from following Christ, will you cling to Jesus, hold to Jesus, or are you going to follow somebody who just wants you for themselves? That's the question for you. You know, there's lots of smart people out there, lots of intelligent people out there, but they're not for you following Jesus. They're for you following them. They got their philosophy, they got their teaching, they got their thing, and they want you to follow them. They don't want you to follow Jesus necessarily. They may say, hey, we're going to help you follow Jesus, but they honestly don't care about you. They don't even know who you are. Or are you going to find a group of people? Are you going to find a community where people love you and are going to help you follow Jesus? That's what we're trying to build here. And I'm not saying we're the only church, because we're not. We're one church. But I think we have something special going on here, where we can love one another and we can help each other follow Jesus. And I'll ask you, are you, are you going to be a part? Are you going to follow Him? If you're here this morning and you're, you're, you're kind of coming into this and like, whoa, this is a lot of stuff. Disciples and talking about Jesus and talking about the law, like, whoa, this is so much stuff. Here's the first step for you. If you're unsure, are you, if you're unsure about whether or not you're going to die and go to heaven, then you need to get that settled first. And that only comes through knowing Jesus. Not about just uh, agreeing with a certain set of, of, of doctrine, saying, yeah, I think Jesus, I think He's the Son of God. But it's trusting Him. In the Bible it says, believe. It says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It's not about coming to church, it's not about getting baptized, but it's about having a relationship with Christ. Do you have a relationship with Christ? If you're here this morning and you're not sure, the fact of the matter is we all are sinners, we're broken people, we never measure up, I could never measure up, but Jesus came and died for you. He loved you and He, he gave His life so that you could be forgiven, so you could go to heaven when you die. Will you turn to Him? Will you trust Him? Lay, lay aside your pride. Lay aside the, all the things you hold to. Like me, I, my, my big problem was self-righteousness. I said, hey, I'm a great person. I had to lay that aside and say, no, I'm not. Jesus loved me and He died for me. You can trust Him. If you call on Him today, you can be saved. Would you do that today? You can mark down your card. On the back of your card, this little box says, be, become a follower of Christ. We'll have someone talk with you and share from the Bible how you can know you're going to go to heaven when you die. And if you're here this morning and... You've already made the decision to follow Christ. Who are you going to follow? Are you going to follow Jesus? Are you going to continue following Jesus? Or are you going to follow somebody else? I'm not really that interested in you following me. I want you to follow Him. I want you to follow Jesus. Because these people, they'd made a decision saying, hey, we believe in Jesus. But then they started going the wrong way. Who are you going to follow? Are you going to follow Jesus? Or are you going to follow men? There's lots of brilliant teachers out there. People who are you know, going to act like they care about you and love you and are for your best interest. But there's really only a few people who are really interested in you following Jesus. And a lot of those people are here in this room. I'm not just talking about myself. Beware that you aren't going to go after people who really aren't teaching the Bible. Simple check. If you can't find what somebody's saying in the Bible, don't believe it. If, you ever, if I ever say something that you can't find in the Bible, don't believe it. I'm not just talking about other people. I'm talking about me. Because I'm fallible. I'm, no, I'm not perfect. There's people who look smart, sophisticated, super spiritual, but they're not going to point you to Jesus. Don't follow them. Now I want to challenge you, if you're here and, and you've already gotten some things, you're, you're following Christ, you're walking with Jesus, I want to challenge you to help somebody else. Invest in someone else's life. Love them. There's no reward like helping someone else follow Jesus. It's one of the most great things in the world. It's almost like having a son, having a daughter. You're helping them know Jesus, and it's one of the most wonderful things in the world. It's, it's hard. It takes patience. It takes time. But you can do it. It's something for every Christian to make another disciple, to, to help someone else follow Jesus. You can do that.
The question is, are you going to love? Are you going to love them? Are you going to invest in them? Are you going to give of yourself for others? If you're not willing to do that, then you can't make disciples. But if you are willing to do that, you can, because God's going to work through you, and He's going to work in that person's life, and you're just going to see Him do some incredible stuff in your life. I want to challenge you to do that. On Wednesday nights, we've been talking about discipleship and what it means to be a disciple and, and what it means to make a disciple. And so you could come and be a part of that. We just sit around a table and talk and, and discuss these kinds of things, the practical how-tos of how you do this. You can be a part of that. It's open for you. That's Wednesday at 7 o'clock. Last thing I want to leave you with. Throughout your whole life, the one thing you've got to remember, follow Jesus. It's really that simple. It's a lifelong commitment, but it's really not that difficult. We follow Jesus. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll be finished this morning. God, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for how you have uh, put people in our lives that do genuinely love us like you love us and, and they're, they're helping us walk with Jesus. God, thank you for the men that you've put in my life to help me walk with you. God, I pray that at Vision that we would be a group of people that are all about helping others follow Jesus. God, you have loved us and you've sent your son to die for us. And God, you've given us the incredible privilege that we get to help people know you. God, I pray that we'd take that very seriously. God, I pray that we would help people know you and that we wouldn't be concerned with them following us, but that we'd be totally concerned with people following you. God, I pray if there's someone in here who's, who's never believed in you and never put their faith in you as their Savior, God, I pray this morning that they would trust you that they would believe in you, they'd call on you, God, that you'd work in their lives. Lord, thank you for the folks here this morning. Thank you for the fathers here. Thank you for how they love and are are working to bring their children up to know you. God, you're a good God, and we love you, and we thank you for how you've worked in our lives this morning. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Vision Sermon Podcast. You can find more sermons and connect with us online at visionbaptistcom.com.